Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Monday morning, March the 21st, 2022. It is 7.02 on your Tucson Monday, and you're listening here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. We uh, We have, you know, a very predictable show for you today. We're going to talk a little basketball today. (laughs) <laughs> we're going to talk some NFL, of course, because that's my promise to you to talk NFL here every single day. And and if we have time, I don't know if there will be time, we may talk about a ridiculous win by the Phoenix Suns yesterday when they should not have won that basketball game uh, at, for many, many reasons. But uh, nonetheless, we digress already just 40 seconds into the show. And uh, let's talk some basketball. Boy, that was fun last night, huh? Let's do that again. <laughs> No thanks. Oh my god! I, I like just immediately after the game. I, I'm just sitting there thinking. I'm like, my stomach hurts. My heart was racing. Like I couldn't get it to slow down. I'm like, I'm supposed to go to sleep now. Like this is not going to happen. I didn't. I didn't go to bed until well after my bedtime, which is normally before eleven o'clock. Uh, it was well, well, well after that. Probably closer to after midnight before the time I finally had settled down enough to go to bed and crawl in and see, you know, if I could get some sleep before getting up for the show today. And holy smokes, I just couldn't calm down. Like, I just kept thinking about everything that was going on and, you know, everything that happened in the game and, and moments where things could have shifted in, in, you know, in either direction. Could Arizona have, you know, once they built that nine-point lead, could they expanded that to 12, 15, 18? You know, how would they have done that? Um, moments where, you know, Arizona just – you know, they, they'd gone scoreless for nearly five minutes. You just don't see that from an Arizona team, at least not this one. Um, you know, and, and, you know, how they're essentially their, their defense kind of kept them in the game. They kept TCU from going on a huge run. I mean, it was a 12-0 run, which is uh, horrible to begin with. But, um, you know, it could have been worse, honestly. And there were just moments in that game where you th- you think back and you're like, man, if, if they don't if they don't make this play, things go differently here. If this doesn't happen, things go differently here. Uh, you know, in both good and bad directions. You know, what I mean, there were plenty of times where there was just a scramble for a loose ball that just didn't get picked up. You know, and I remember one, there was a a, a ball that you know kind of came to Dalen, but it was kind of like off his back shoulder a rebound that had come off rather hard off the rim because TCU can't shoot, and although they were shooting pretty well last night. And he kind of reached back to grab the rebound, but it just barely, like, it just kind of, like, slapped off of his hand just a, just enough uh, to where it went out of bounds. TCU got the inbounds play, and then there was a, a, a foul on the three-point shooter, which I'll get into in just a little bit because that was ridiculous what we saw last night on that. Um, but that was kind of a big play because – Normally, you know, if 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 Dalen isn't, you know, if if I mean, if he if he's set, you know, the ball kind of lands in his chest. But the the game was so physical underneath that he was just getting pushed around and got pushed out of position, and you know, just little deflections like that that could have gone one way or the other that that changed momentums in the game and obviously changed the score, which has a you know has a huge you know you know outcome and everything. Obviously, uh, it's all about the points. 
So let's go back because it feels like forever since their opening game against Wright State, right? I mean, that feels like forever ago. Like, oh, yeah, the Wright State game. I remember how old I was when I saw that game. Yeah, it was really three days ago, but it feels like a month ago, you know, when they defeated a, a very pesky Wright State team, 87-70 to 70, on Friday night. Uh, the Wildcats shoot 55% from the field, 35 of 60 from the field, 55% from three. They were 11 of 20 from beyond the arc. Turned the ball over an alarming 19 times in that game, which has uh, been a problem and, and, a, and a, a, a point of contention for this team all season long, something that we were always worried about come uh, you know come tournament time with this basketball team. Once we realized that this, te- this basketball team was, in fact, good enough and and you know i mean i i felt they were good enough to be a tournament team before the season even began um but it took some some people a little bit longer to realize that no matter it's all good but the the amount of turnovers were just uh, that game was that game was maddening to me because you you could just tell i mean arizona right state didn't hardly belong on the same floor as arizona in that game you just Look at the two teams getting off the bus, and you're just like, no, no. <laughs> uh-uh. But Arizona kept them in the game essentially by turning the ball over a thousand times, and you know having situations where it created some easy scoring opportunities for Wright State. Now they didn't score a ton of points off of those turnovers. I think they scored eight or ten points. I, I want to believe. I want to say off of those turnovers, somewhere in there. So it wasn't like they scored twenty points off those turnovers. I think that certainly would have changed the game. Um, but it really was, you know, a, a great night for Christian Coloco. A lot of the players had had nice games, uh, but Christian Coloco stood out in that game not only because of just you know the the, the force that he was, you know, on both ends of the floor. I mean, we you know we talked about how good he is on both ends of the floor, and it was certainly prevalent in that opening game against Wright State. It wasn't until after the game when one of the reporters said, hey, you know, Christian, how does it feel to have done something that no one else has ever done before in the history of the NCAA tournament? And that was he had 17 points, 13 rebounds, six assists, and five block shots. I mean, it's just those numbers are just insane. And in a first-round game, you know, you shouldn't have those kinds of numbers because when, when a one-seed plays a 16-seed, a lot of times your starters, they just won't play enough minutes to get – you know, to log a ton of uh, statistics like that. Uh, but uh, Christian Coloco was just, he was, he, you can't say enough about him in that first game. And we'll get to his second game here in a moment. Also in that game, Benedict Matherin has 18 points, five rebounds, started off a little bit slowly, then got things going, kind of took the game over scoring-wise. Dale and Terry, Mr. Glue guy. I mean, the 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 the, the guy that, that holds it all together, the... Um, He's the guy that takes the uh, takes this team from Swiss cheese to mozzarella, right? He fills in all the holes. Dale and Terry in that game, 16 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, 1 steal, 1 block shot, and completely, I shouldn't say completely, but did a great job of shutting down one of their opposing players. Uh, and they have two really good players on that team, and the, even the, the players noted it, the, the Wildcat players noted it in the postgame presser. Um, just how impressed they were with a couple of the players on that team. And it's, it, look, that's one of those things that happens. There's a team from across the country from some little conference, you know, that, that you'll, you'll never, you'll, you'll never recognize him. Most people, most people didn't realize that Wright State was a, was a division one university. Um, 
and, and the players are like, yeah, number 24 was actually really good. Oh, number zero, man, he, what, you know, what a heck of a player he was. You know, it's, it's kind of one of those things, like, they were surprised, like, oh, crap, these guys can play. Like, there's good players on this team. And that's what you get in the NCAA tournament. That was, a, you know, a great eye-opening experience, I think, for a lot of these players that have no experience. I mean, the only one with any kind of NCAA experience was Umar Balo, and he rode the bench for the last two years in Gonzaga. So for these, you know, for these guys to go out there and play against a 16 seed who had to have a play-in game just to get the opportunity to play Arizona, then to get on the field, and then for those guys to be like, oh, damn, uh, th- these aren't just a bunch of scrubs. Like, these dudes can actually play. Like, they got some players on this team. Like, that guy's strong, and this guy's quick, and that guy can shoot. Like, once you realize that you're in a game, you're like, okay, now, now you know, now we have to <laughs> – we have to really play like this is these guys are playing for their lives. We got to start playing for ours. And you can kind of tell the light bulb went on for the Wildcats. It's, you know, kind of midway through the first half in that game. It was like, all right, they had established a good lead. But at that point, they realized no, we're in this game like this is going to be this is going to be 40 minutes for us. And that was good. I think that was good for Arizona. Uh, Zulus Tabellas in just 20 minutes in that game has 13 points, five rebounds. Pella. Uh, very similar in just 20 minutes, 11 points, five rebounds, three assists. Um, so, you know, some some good performances there. Obviously, Kerr did not play in that game. It was Justin Kyer at the point um, for the for the most part of that game, followed by some, you know, Arizona has multiple ball handlers. Ben can bring the ball up the floor. Pella, uh, obviously, Dalen has been doing some of the, some of the uh, point guard duties as well. So Arizona gets that one out of the way. You get the first one out of the way. You move on. You see who you play next. So they play TCU, and I, I had I had picked TCU to win that game over uh, over Seton Hall. I just I felt like a team that was coming out of the Big Twelve. I thought Big Twelve teams were going to be a lot better in this tournament than other conferences, just because that conference was really tough from top to bottom. I mean, I mean, you could say, oh, TCU is a sixth place you know Big Twelve team or whatever. Eh, yeah. 8-10 and 10 record in conference against, in my opinion, was the best conference in basketball this year, um, and they're proving it now. They're no slouch. And that's a team who, and I, I'm glad they brought it up on the broadcast because it's something that I had noticed, um, you know, when, when, the, when the brackets had come out. It's something that I had noticed, and I, I was, obviously wasn't going to talk about it too much because you don't, you don't want to say, just assume that Arizona wins the first-round game and that TCU wins their first game. It would just be uh, foolish at that point to even discuss a preview of the game. But had I had the opportunity to preview the game, I would have said, hey, take a look at TCU's schedule and tell me how many times they played one of the one seeds in this tournament in the last four weeks of their regular season. The answer was four. Like, they played Kansas twice. They played Baylor twice. They played Kansas, Kansas three times this year. But they played those teams four times in the last tw- like 26 days of their season. They had a backloaded schedule, a brutal schedule. Uh, did TCU. So they've seen the country's best. They played against the country's best. Not once, not twice. They played against them five times this year and four times recently. So this was a team that was ready to take down a monster. This was a team that was built to take down a monster. And I thought what Arizona did last night in escaping with their lives was a character-building moment for this iteration of Arizona basketball, this 
team, this collection of players and coaches, uh, everybody involved in the program, a huge character building moment for them because TCU people, you know, I saw people after the game tweeting out like, Oh, they were completely underseated. I don't think TCU was underseated. I thought they, I thought they were seated perfectly. The issue with, you know, with TCU is that they were getting better as the season, like right at the end of the year, they were starting to turn into the team that they were eventually going to be. It took them a while to get there. They had a couple of injuries early in the season. Mike Miles was out for several games. They lost a, they lost a chunk of games when, uh, when Mike Miles was out. Um, then I remember watching on TV his return uh, to the court. It, the game was played in Fort Worth. They played Texas Tech that night, and it was a fight. It, that was an absolute rock fight for 40 minutes. That was one of the most grueling games that I have seen in a regular season matchup in a long time. And I watched the game, and it was a, you know it was a huge momentum booster for for TCU. That is, they're no slouch. And for for fans that were like, okay, we're going to get through TCU, and then we got to worry about who we're going to play next. You got to knock that crap off, man. It's it's like the one year off from the tournament. You forgot just how grueling and treacherous the road can be. And if if you hadn't learned from watching the rest of the tournament that had gone on because Arizona was the last game of the weekend. I, I mean, let's just, let's just take a look here. Kentucky gets beat by St. Peter's. What? <laughs> well, I mean, what? Auburn gets smacked around by Miami. Tennessee loses to Michigan. I mean, there were, there were so many, there's, I mean, there's been a ton of upsets in this in this tournament. In fact, I was looking at some of the metrics this morning, and the average seed for this year's Sweet 16 is a 5.3. That is incredibly low. Like, the average for the last 40 years has been, I think it's 3.8, I want to say. So you're talking an entire one, one and a half worth of seeding for average seed in this year's tournament, the Sweet 16. Now, last year's was the most bonkers of all time. Oral Roberts in the Sweet 16, right? Uh, another 15 seed like this year. But there were, you know, 11 seeds and 12 seeds in the in the Sweet 16 last year. Uh, there were only two number one seeds in the Sweet 16 last year. So it brought the average seeding way down. It was 5.9. It was the lowest in the history of the, of the NCAA tournament. But this year, not much different. Like, <laughs> you, look, you look at some of the seeds that are right now in the Sweet 16, 11, 10, 15, 8, mm. okay, you know, it, it, this, is, this is a grind for everybody. Nobody, it, look, 64 teams enter, 63 teams will walk away disappointed. That's what makes this the greatest spectacle on earth is the NCAA tournament. It is far and away the most entertaining piece of sports that we get in a calendar year. So, looking at last night's game, and I'll tell you, one of the keys to this game, again, I didn't get to preview the game on the air for you guys, so I, I, there was no way for me to tell you what was coming. <laughs> uh, I felt like, you know, I mean, you know, most of the fans don't watch TCU basketball. You know, just, it, we, and fine, that's, it's fine. We're all busy. we got stuff. Fans are, are very, you know, uh, localized and things like that, and that's totally cool. There's nothing wrong with that. The guy that I was worried about all along was their point guard, Damian Ball. Damian Ball is a really, really good basketball player. And when you look at how TCU did, how they fared in games where Ball was either good or bad, 
that was the telling story of whether TCU was going to win or lose. Check this out. So, And this is all stuff that I had prepared beforehand. Things that I just noticed. I know that I know that Ball is a good player, highly recruited player, uh, is out of Mississippi, recruited by every school in the SEC, um, except for like Kentucky and stuff like that. Damian Ball, in in games where okay, these are all games where he plays twenty eight minutes or more. Okay, so you know, forget about the non con games where he plays seventeen minutes against some also ran or up thirty points at halftime. In games where he played at least 28 minutes, okay, there were uh, there were 27 of those games I think this year. TCU went 12 and four in the games where he scored in double digits. 12 and four, they were three and eight in games where he scored in single digits. Now, Ball I believe was third in the Big 12 in assists this year. He was he's up there in assist rate. He's a very good point guard, and he's a point guard that rebounds. If you hadn't noticed, he led. The entire game in defensive rebounds last night. Six foot four, little Damian Ball. I shouldn't say little, but six foot four point guard was the leading defensive rebounder in the game last night. Had eight defensive rebounds. He does it all. He also had six assists in the game. However, Arizona took him to three of seventeen shooting, zero for four from beyond the arc. He scored six points. Two of those points were layups where he just said, "I'm, I'm going to go out the rim. I'm going to go see what I can do." But we didn't foul him, and uh, and we just, you know kind of let him go, and he, he got he got a couple of easy buckets that way, uh, and they were they weren't super easy. He had to work for him, but nonetheless, like like the whole time I'm like I'm like you got to watch number six, got to watch number like because it's a good player, and uh, the whole time I was worried about him because like Chuck O'Bannon, like he had the like the best game of his life last night, <laughs> five of thirteen from beyond the arc. Which doesn't sound great to Chuck O'Bannon. That is like king me. He was like a thirty-one percent three-point shooter going into that game. Like average nine points a game. I was not worried about Chuck O'Bannon. I also was not really worried about uh, uh, Lampkin, Eddie Lampkin. I'll res- I'll reserve saying anything else about him because I, you know, these are student athletes, and I'm not I'm not trying to to rip people like that. I wasn't worried about Eddie Lampkin destroying the Wildcats in this game. I was worried about Miles and Baugh. Their backcourt was going I, – I felt that we were going to have trouble with their backcourt. I really did. And Miles and Baugh combined to shoot 8 of 37 from the field last night. Now, I, I, you know, Mesa Public Schools education here tells me 8 of 37, that's – below 25%, somewhere between 20 and 25%, like 22% from the field. Now, if you had told me that Arizona was going to hold Miles and Ball to 22% shooting and a total of 26 points, I would have told you Arizona wins that game by 20, like going away. Like there was, who the hell are Chuck O'Bannon, Eddie Lampkin? Who are they? (laughs) I was like, yeah, great. So Arizona's game plan was right. The game plan was perfect. They shut down Miles aside from his stupid kicking of his legs, which drove me absolutely nuts because he did it three times, three times in the game. Mike Miles kicked his legs out. He's known for this, first of all. The Big 12 knows about it. However, there were no Big 12 officials in the uh, the arena last night. There was a Pac-12 official, a Big East official. I don't know where the other guy was from. 
but they weren't Big 12 officials. Mike Miles is known for that. He he does that Reggie Miller double leg kick when he when he shoots the ball. He calls it his natural shooting motion. Nobody would call it that. No, nobody shoots the ball like that. Not anyone on the planet shoots the ball like that. You don't kick your legs forward when you shoot the ball. You don't fold yourself into an acute angle shooting the ball. But he did. And on three occasions last night, the Wildcats were called for a foul. And Mike Miles went 9-for-9 from the free throw line on those three foul calls. That was a huge, huge spot in the game. Like, uh, TCU fans last night, this morning, I I mean, first of all, I couldn't care less. But they're complaining about the officiating, specifically the one call against Mike Miles, the backcourt call. We'll get into this. Uh, You can complain all you want. That guy got nine free points doing something that's illegal that was called against the Wildcats all night long that Tommy Lloyd was furious about. Furious about that. He told them. He told them early on. He told the officials, Miles is kicking his legs out. Miles is kicking his legs out. Or, you know, number number 20 or whatever number he is. Kicking his legs out. Officials like, yeah, yeah, well, okay, well, I'm talking not foul. No, that's three. That's three shots. Tommy lost his mind. <laughs> I, I would have too. It was they were they were terrible calls, uh, and it cost the Wildcats nine points. And some of those, like one of those, was in, was started the big run, started the big twelve zero run, which I mentioned earlier. So, look, I thought Arizona's game plan was perfect. The execution, specifically on the glass, was lacking. Eddie Lampkin and and. Uh, coach Tommy Lloyd used a term that, that I used all the time because I got it from my coaches back in the day. He fed them their lunch yesterday, fed it to them. 14 rebounds, 10 of them offensively. He was the stronger, uh, you, know, m- you know, stronger player, more desire, more want, more grit, more everything than anything Arizona threw at him. Like he just wanted it more. When you get a player like that, like, <laughs> I. You, you know, it, it's hard to deal with people like that that just are playing with so much passion and so much fire. It's tough. Arizona wasn't able to match it for the entire game. He, I don't know how he kept his energy up. I mean, he played 36 minutes in that game. He's not used to playing those kind of minutes. Like, Eddie Lampkin's, like, not that guy. <laughs> Eddie Lampkin's known as just just a big guy that uh, he's a space filler. He's one of the worst free throw shooters in the country. He was 4 of 10 last night. That certainly helped. Um, Arizona's cause. All right. I still got a lot more to get into in regards to this game, including the final play of regulation. What should have been the call? There should have been a call made one way or the other. What should that call have been? That's next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. All right, so the play that almost became maybe the most exciting play in the history of Arizona basketball. The steal, the scoop, the dunk as time is expiring, and Dalen was so close. Two-tenths of a second. That's that's what it was. That was the difference uh, in that being a regulation win and overtime. Two-tenths of a second. Dalen jumps. 
I mean, what else is he going to do? He's going to take. He's going to run and you know shoot a running floater. That's a terrible shot. I mean, it's it's going to be tough to make. You know, I mean, obviously you want him to get the ball out of his hands quickly. And I'm sitting there on my couch and I'm like, I'm like, it's gonna be, it's gonna be close. This is gonna be really, really close. And Tommy was saying the same thing. He looked up. There's a second left. Davis at the top of the key. It's gonna be really close. And you're like, does he let go of the ball? Is he gonna let go of it? Is he gonna make it to the rim? What's what's gonna happen? Oh man, God, that was close. <laughs> so, and it was all predicated on the play that happened at uh, at half court. Now. Tommy, <laughs> that's some brass, man. Like, that is some brass. 12 seconds left, final possession for TCU, and you decide to half-court trap. I, and, and again, Miles is not a great ball handler. He's known kind of as a ball hog. Uh, so I think he was the right guy to trap. Once he brought it across the time stripe, he was the right guy to trap. Like, that's the guy that you go after because he ain't going to give it up. Like, he's going to do whatever he can to try to get out of it. And he did. First of all, he dribbled the ball into the backcourt. That should have been a backcourt violation uh, as, as the Wildcats are kind of swarming him. He turned, took a right-handed dribble. The ball bounced on the opposite side of the time stripe. That should have been a backcourt violation. Arizona should have gotten the ball with about four seconds left on the clock. It was about what it was, about four point. I think, it was like, I, think I looked at it again. It was like 4.2 or something like that, 4.1. Anyway, better than – what would have happened? What happened uh, immediately following that? Because then he eff- he essentially tries to sell the fact that he got fouled, and look, that's not a foul that you would call at the three point line. That's not a foul that you would call at the free throw line. Like you wouldn't call that foul anywhere else on the floor. No one was going to give him that call then. He was in trouble. He was he was running for his life. Nobody's not a single official. Well, I shouldn't say that. Any official worth their salt would not give him that call. They might have called a flop, but yeah, you're probably not going to call him that in that instance either. But again, as he's flopping and falling, he grabs the ball. The ball bounces in the backcourt. Like we're talking two feet inside of the of the backcourt. That should have been a backcourt violation. That ha- occurred with just over three seconds left on the clock. At that point, the ball comes loose. Dale and Terry races to pick it up and takes off down the floor just to miss the dunk in time for the buzzer. There's a call that has to be made there one way or the other. The official essentially has to blow their whistle. Once the ball has gotten into the backcourt like that, if it's not a clean steal, if a player still has possession or is, I think, in the process of losing possession, as the ball hits the the back the backcourt or a player's foot hits the ball in the backcourt, then you stop the play, you make a backcourt violation call, you award the team, uh, the opposing team, a side out right there at midcourt. You go and find out how much time's on the clock. That would have taken ten minutes, and then you award the team a time a side out right there. And Arizona would have had a, a, a you know given the chance to draw up a play for the final shot. Who knows if it goes in? Who doesn't? That's neither here nor there. Fact of the matter is something had to be called there. Whether you call a foul, a flop, or a backcourt violation, the clock had to be stopped. Like, <laughs> the crew kind of let the teams play a little bit, and it was a rough. It was a rough match. Like it was, the boys are going to have some bruises on them for the next few days for sure, uh, and they're going to have some bruises on them going into that Houston game on Thursday night. But that's the 
you, you got to call something there. You can't just be like, ah, oh, let them play. Something happened. It's a backward violation. Guys don't just fall down on their own and then dribble the ball into the backcourt and just allow it to happen. Sorry, that's not the way this works. you got to do something. And I understand not wanting to take over the game with your whistle and stuff like that, and that's certainly admirable. But that's something you do when a player is 38 feet from the basket and trying to shoot a ball and then, you know, blowing your whistle on something like that. Like that that's ridiculous, that kind of stuff. But if you get a backward violation, you got to call it. Like, it's a violation. It's, it's very clear to everybody what it was. Um, nonetheless, we have what we have, and Arizona was able to go ahead and get the win in overtime. What does this mean for Arizona basketball moving forward for this for this particular this particular team? Well, like I said, I think it's a huge character builder for them. I thought it was important for them to get a game like this to slap them around a little bit and realize that they are in the fight for their lives. Like this is not easy. the The NCAA tournament is not for the weak, not for the weak minded, not for the weak spirited, not for the weak physically. Okay. And I got to give it up to Kerr. I know. I know a lot of people are climbing on his back today. Last night, so like one for ten from the three point line. Come on, you gotta, you're trying to shoot us out of this game. Those are all shots that he would normally take in a regular game. And if he made them, people would be celebrating Kerr Creaser today like you wouldn't believe. Because Wildcats would have won by 14. Kerr goes four of eight from beyond the arc in his return to the court from that swollen, you know, that, the the sprained ankle that he had. People would be throwing all kinds of flowers on it today. He didn't. He went one for ten. He kept shooting. Shooters shoot. That's what they do. Kerr is streaky. It happens. The main thing is is that Ben Matherin and Christian Coloco were there to clean it up. And boy, did they ever. I want to talk about them next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here. Talking the uh, wild weekend of madness that was specifically for the Wildcats. We'll talk about some other March Madness stories uh, as well. Here today, tomorrow, Wednesday, and then we get ready for the big games again. The Sweet 16 on Thursday, Arizona taking on Houston, which is, uh, I, I, we're, I mean, we're definitely going to discuss the hell out of this thing. This is what going to be quite possibly one of the more epic matchups of this entire tournament. The way these two teams play, they are going to go at one another. Like, this is, this is going to be good. This is going to be real good. Like, it's going to be... It's going to be harrowing for Wildcat fans, and I'll probably lose another few years off of my life, but uh, it's worth it, right? We get we get that championship, it's all worth it. So let's take a look at the big two last night because that's really what it came down to, right? The rest of the Wildcat team, not great, uh, you know, as far as at least you know, scoring-wise. Azulis Tabellas only plays 16 minutes. He just never really got into the game. Like, he missed his first three shots. Two of them were bunnies. Um, just didn't have it last night. Okay, and that's okay. That's that's what happens sometimes. Matchups will predicate the lineups, and Zoo just wasn't uh, in in a favorable matchup in this particular game. It doesn't mean that he won't come out and dominate against Houston on Thursday night, which very well could happen. Dalen Terry 
did only score five points, two of eight from the field, but one of those was a massive three-point shot to tie the game at 70. And I mean a huge three-point shot. Arizona was in a in a you know a scoring funk. They'd only scored, I think, four points in the last nine minutes or eight minutes of that game or something like that up to that point. Uh, they were in trouble. And Dale and Terry hits that three to tie the game at 70, and all felt right with the world. Justin Kyer... Played only 14 minutes last night, but he gave the team the minutes that they needed. Three of five from the field was Justin, including one. Uh, I don't. I don't want to say desperate, but when Arizona needed a bucket and they the offense just wasn't working well, Justin would take it to the rim and go and get it. Like he was really good in spots last night, and I applaud him for taking the initiative to get Arizona out of a bad offensive funk in certain moments in that game. Pella played 30 minutes last night, only scored six points, two of two from the line, two of five from the field, 0 for three from beyond the arc. Wildcats did not shoot the ball well last night. Just shooting the ball did not shoot the ball well. Uh, Very, very poor shooting last night from whatever distance they were at. Um, But I thought Pella, I thought he played well, did, did have two turnovers, um, in those 30 minutes, but uh, there was you know fewer turnovers than just about everybody else had. So, <laughs> so not going to harp on him too much on that. <clears throat> Pardon me. Umar Balo, 15 minutes, one of one from the field, uh, grabbed four rebounds, had two assists in the game. One to Christian Coloco that was <laughs> chef's kiss was so nice. Uh, and Kerr Kreisa, who I mentioned, 27 minutes from Kerr last night, only three points, hit the the three pointer. Uh, kept shooting them, obviously, you know, and that's what that's what Tommy wants him to do. And Tommy's not going to call him out in the media like, yeah, Kerr shouldn't be shooting those shots. If he feels like Kerr shouldn't be shooting those shots, he will tell him last night, he'll tell him today in practice, whatever, you know, whatever have you. Um, you, know, the, the, you know, you need to be more selective with your shot selection. But as Tommy mentioned in the presser, he was plus 24, and according to the box, the box score I have, he was plus 27 um, for the night which plus 27. Now, I know that people don't like the plus-minus metric, especially because uh, it shows that Ben Matherin was a minus two in that game last night, which is, you know, silly to think about. But uh, nonetheless, it, 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 you know, it is what it is, and that's, you know, the numbers that, that come out that way. Um, but to be a plus 24 or a plus 27, you know, whichever one it, it really was, that's huge. And I thought Kerr was better defensively than the broadcast team was letting on. They're like, oh, they're going to go at him with his bad ankle. They're going to go at him with his bad ankle. But nobody wants to talk about how he shut down Damian Baugh, the opposing point guard. You know, I thought Pella did a great job on him too. Pella was really physical with Baugh, shutting him down, keeping him out of the lane, keeping him from, you know, from getting off and getting dangerous the way that Damian Baugh can do. He's a, he's a top-flight player. Like, he's a very, very good basketball player. Again, I I, I felt like... I felt like the game plan was perfect for Arizona. It wasn't executed to perfection, but the game plan was perfect. They had to shut down those two guards. They did. So Ben Matherin, 30 points last night, 8 of 19 from the field, 311 from beyond the arc. Arizona just kept shooting them. They didn't make them. It was it was tough going for Arizona. Between Kerr and Ben, 4 of 21 from beyond the arc. Okay, that's all you need to know right there. However, Benedict Matherin, 11 of 13 from the free throw line, had two steals. One of them was a big steal 
uh, did have a few turnovers, but regardless, we'll forgive that because the two offensive rebounds that he grabbed in that game were massive and probably the dunk of his life. Over Eddie Lampkin, caught the body on him, gets the, you know, gets the assist from Coloco, and just goes up. And, and Ben is so explosive. You, you know, you see it. I, I, I've compared him all season long to, uh, to Donovan Mitchell, the, the superstar f- uh, for the Utah Jazz. He's a taller version of Donovan Mitchell. And people, you know, I've talked to some of these people like, oh, I don't know if Ben is as explosive as Donovan Mitchell. Like Donovan Mitchell at six foot two was in the in the dunk contest. Anyone who thinks that Benedict Matherin is not as explosive as Donovan Mitchell can go fly a kite. I mean, like seriously. <laughs> Did you do you watch him play? If not, just go ahead and rewind that dunk that he had last night. I mean, dude took off and one of the one of the best dunks you'll ever see. I mean, it was Twitter was all a buzz last night. I know Wildcat fans, Wildcat historians were like, "It's either this one or the Derek Williams dunk against Duke." Those are the two best right there. I mean, that's that's pretty much it. Those are those are one A and one B. Tremendous, tremendous performance from Benedict Matherin, and he's like, uh, "Yeah, second team All American." My ass. I mean, that's really kind of kind of simply what it came down to there. And uh, I was looking at the, uh, the, the All-Americans this year, the first-team All-Americans, the first-team AP All-Americans. Four of them are home right now and not coming back. One of them, uh, Ochai Abaji, the, uh, the really, really good player from Kansas. He's obviously still in it. But, you know, Kofi didn't play well. He's out. Uh, you know, uh, Keegan Henry, from, uh, Keegan Henry from, uh, from Iowa didn't play well. He's out. Like all, like four of the five first teamers are out. Second teamers, I think four of the five second teamers are all still in. So, uh, ha ha. Christian Coloco last night. What can what can you say about like the guy is working his way into a lottery pick? (laughs) And I know that big men are devalued when it comes to the draft. You know, you you gotta have the right body, the right skill set. And, and I don't know if, if Christian is going to enter the NBA draft this year. I hope he doesn't. I still think I still think CeeLo needs one more year at the collegiate level to just dominate. And I mean, he, he will dominate. He's already dominating now, but he will absolutely dominate the entire league, probably the entire country next year if he comes back for Arizona. 28 points, 12 rebounds, had two assists last night, was 12 of 13 from the field, missed a bunny. I mean, come on, Christian, 13 to 13, man. Let's let's try to button it up, please. Four of seven from the free throw line, had three block shots. By my count, he had four, but I'm not going to split hairs here. Also had a steal where he kind of stepped into the lane on a uh, on a Mike Miles pass and uh, kind of grabbed it, and then that led to a run out for Arizona and points. Those two, just, you know, 58 points, 20 rebounds, six assists, three steals. Their numbers were just ridiculous last night. And when the rest of the team couldn't score the ball, it was Christian and Benedict. And just killing it last night. There was nothing that TCU could do. Nothing. And for Eddie Lampkin and all of his, too small, you're too small to do the. 
Christian Coloco, he, I mean, he took you to school, boy. Like, that's <laughs> – there was no doubt about that. Christian Coloco was the better player last night. Now, he didn't always give the be- better effort. I will say that, and I'll be honest about that, and I'm sure that when they go back and look at film, Christian Coloco will agree with, with me on that, that he did not always give his best effort. There were times where he was flat-footed. There were times where he was – it looked like he was playing with four fouls. He was trying to be cautious out there. And I understand not wanting to get into foul trouble, but uh, what do you have, two fouls in a game? Two. Like, be aggressive, man. Be aggressive until you get three, and then it's time to start playing, you know, not soft, but let's be a little more conscious of what we're doing here. And then once you get four, got to be real careful, right? But you're playing with two fouls. Go out and hammer somebody, man. So, uh, again, there were lulls in, from the entire team in regards to effort at times. And other times it was just bad bounces. I don't want to sit here and say that TCU outworked them for 45 minutes because they didn't. There were plenty of times where Arizona was in great position to get the rebound, and it either came off long or uh, deflected off of a hand or something like that. But there were other times where you're just like, that's just poor execution. <laughs> so, Arizona survives and advances. That's the name of the game. What's next for Arizona? Houston on Thursday night. I'll have just a little quick little preview on that uh, before we uh, before we turn over to the 8 o'clock hour. We'll have plenty of other stuff going on as well. So stay tuned. You're listening here to the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. A lot of opinions and commentary from Wildcat, former players, broadcasters, people have just been around. Jim Livengood was even, somebody found a quote from Jim Livengood, able to get get some information from him. Many people believe that last night's game against TCU goes into the history books as one of the best in in Arizona's history. One of you know certainly one of the most memorable games in Arizona's history. And you know here we are, just it's a one nine matchup in the second round of the NCAA tournament. But you just never know when you're going to need that game. I mean, you know, you know Arizona in you know the championship run against College of Charleston that goes on the list of one of the great games in Arizona's history because they had to come back. Uh, late, I think what ninety six, ninety two, I think was the final in that game, you know, and that was, you know, a team that you know the the four seed, obviously the national championship year, and they, they I mean, they had to fight and scrap for everything they got. Everything was a single digit game in that uh, in that tournament. The biggest margin of victory was when they played North Carolina. They beat North Carolina by eight, but there were some epic, epic throwdowns for the Wildcats in that tournament run in the ninety seven tournament run. It all started. You know, with South Alabama in in round number one, and it just continued to get tense and more tense, and there were big games and big moments. And last night, you know, I I, I call this you know a huge character builder for this Arizona team because a team that was completely lacking in postseason experience now has, I think, <laughs> they've seen it. Like they, they've they've got experience now. That is experience. What they went through last night. And I feel like what they went through against Wright State, that was kind of an up-and-down game. They get out early, but after that, they have to kind of play the yo-yo uh, game with, with Wright State. It was, you know, up by 16, up by 10, up by 18, up by 12. Like, it was, it was a, you know, a complete back and forth. And last night was massive for this team. And they're, in, in my opinion, 
what their progress means in this tournament. Now, they have drawn a very, very difficult matchup in Houston. Houston plays a lot like TCU. Their concepts are very similar. Houston uses more ball pressure because they have better athletes than TCU does. Houston does not have the size that TCU does. Houston, in fact, you know, they lost their, their best player in December to a knee injury. And then two days later, lost their second best player to an injury. So they've been playing without two main pieces of that uh, of that puzzle. And Kelvin Sampson has just done an amazing job. And they've won 11 of their 12 last 12 games, 10 of them by double digits. Like, they've just been on a real roll recently. And, of course, I'll have a full, full preview matchup for you Wednesday, possibly Thursday, leading up to that game, tell you what to expect from that game on Thursday night. All right, that deals with our number one. Coming up in hour number two, we'll have some more March Madness tournament uh, information and uh, recap for you. We'll have some NFL news and notes and who knows, maybe a whole lot more. Just a quick little two-minute turnaround here to the 8 o'clock hour. Stay tuned to the Jeff Keen Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Casino Del Sol Studio, the soul of Tucson. This is ESPN Tucson. KFFN Tucson. KWCX Tanka Verde. KMXZ HD4 Tucson.